This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Good morning. It's Wednesday, November the 2nd, 2022. Welcome to Now with Dave Brown coming to you on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. Let's hit the horns and go. Coming up on the show today, Travis Morrow reflects on the 2022 Wheelchair Rugby World Championships. And John Lepke explores the impact of the Hockey Canada scandal on para-hockey, para-sports, and the equity movement within the sport of hockey. And researchers from the University of Calgary describe how gamification can help students with learning disabilities. Trend story of the day, and we'll begin with some economic news, was asked how supply chain issues impacted inflation rather than interest rates. We have an economy in Canada that is running um, in excess demand um, above its capacity to produce goods and services. Uh, the, the, the tightened monetary policy, higher interest rates will help to reduce that demand. But there are supply factors that, that can also help. Those are not tools within uh, the central bank's capacity. Let's get to a related story where Immigration Minister Sean Fraser has revealed new immigration targets that he says are focused on economic growth. The government is setting a goal of admitting 500,000 immigrants per year by 2025. Make no mistake, this is a massive increase in economic migration to Canada. Uh, we have not seen uh, such a focus on economic migration as we've seen in this immigration levels plan. Fraser says the labour market shortages necessitate bringing in more people. There were a million jobs uh, available in the Canadian economy at a time when immigration already accounts for nearly all of our uh, labour force growth. We cannot maximise our economic potential if we don't embrace immigration. Admittance will be based on work skills and experience. The government says there will be a decrease in the acceptance of refugees. And in another related story, I've got lots of economy for you today. Data from Indeed shows that employers are going to have a tough time finding holiday season employees. Don Kelly has the numbers. Indeed says seasonal job postings are up 28% from last year and up 40% from pre-pandemic levels. But the proportion of job seekers is hovering just below pre-pandemic levels, mirroring the overall tight labour market. Senior economist Brendan Bernard says some employers may have a harder time filling spots, even as overall seasonal hiring ramps up, and that they may need to offer higher wages or more flexible schedules to attract workers. Don Kelly, the Canadian Press, Toronto. And while we're talking about economics, let's look south of the border where the U.S. Federal Reserve is expected to announce another interest rate hike later today. Chuck Sievertson looks ahead. The Fed is expected to announce a hefty three-quarter point hike in its key short-term rate. It's fourth straight. It'll lead to still higher loan rates for many businesses and consumers. The Fed wants to slow down more borrowing and spending to curb inflation. Sales of existing homes have dropped, consumer spending slowed a little, and supply chain snarls are easing. What many analysts hope is that Chair Jerome Powell will hint that the central bank may ease the pace of its hikes, which could spark a rally in stock and bond prices and lift fears 
of a recession. Chuck Sievertson, ABC News. And looking even further abroad, Australia raised its key interest rate today to 2.85%, the highest it's been in nine years. Let's come back to Ottawa and get to some sound from the Emergencies Act inquiry. Convoy organizer Chris Barber was on the stand yesterday, testifying that planning came together quite quickly for the protest. It was uh, completely organic. Everything just literally fell right into place. Uh, it was, I believe it was about two weeks from the time we started talking about it to the time we actually left. It was extremely fast. Barber testified that once the protest arrived in Ottawa, it was out of his control. Our entry was, was so messed up, I'll use the words. It was organized chaos unorganized chaos. There was trucks everywhere. There was vehicles everywhere. The only thing I could do was put my videos out stating, you know, like, we're not here to disrupt residents of Ottawa. They didn't ask for this. It was the federal government is why we came and uh, did what we could. Barber also commented on the honking that local residents complained about. I considered the horn honking to be a form of excitement more than peaceful protest. I'll be the first to admit the horns annoyed me. I did everything in my power to try and get the horns to stop. I've put out multiple videos on a regular basis saying stop, especially after the court order came in. Barber says there was no official leader of the protest and more organizers will appear before the inquiry today. Let's get to our daily polls. At Accessible Media is where you find us on Twitter. At Accessible Media Inc. is where you find us on Facebook. Yesterday, we asked you a question about economics. Sorry, it's on the mind a lot, so I share lots of news stories and I ask you lots lots of questions. So with interest rates rising, are you trying to use your credit card less? 56% of you said yes, 22% of you said no, and 22% of you said, I don't have one. Today's Daily Poll may be a little bit of lighter fare. We'll talk about this with Shane Baker later on this hour. We'll talk about multivitamins and supplements, and I've got a really straightforward question for you today. Do you take a multivitamin daily? Yes or no? And I'll show you my vulnerability as I tend to do with these kinds of topics. There is a bottle of multivitamins on my counter next to where I make my tea or coffee every morning. And I don't think I've opened it in months. So I should be taking that multivitamin daily, but I do not. Mike Ross, what about you? Not since the days uh, of Flintstone uh, vitamins when I was a kid, (laughs) where it was more about candy. Honestly, it was a piece of candy because it was so sweet, and I felt like I was eating candy in the morning. Um, As an adult, though, I can't say I've ever had um, the recommendation from any of my health providers to, to get out there and take that vitamin. I've seen a lot of commercials about it. I've also seen a lot of like sort of weird speculation about how how good they are for you, how they don't break down in your stomach, et cetera, et cetera. So I've sort of stayed away from it for for that reason. It's just, to me, there's a lot of confusion around it. And I've never had a doctor tell me, you know, based on your 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 global health situation, you should take a multivitamin. Mm-hmm. So no, I've, I don't take them. Yeah, not all multivitamins are created equal, and there's definitely mm. trying to uh, to machete through some of that misinformation can get uh, pretty complicated pretty quickly. Some devout viewers may remember the uh, early 2021 phase of Now with Dave Brown, where I was taking a supplement and a multivitamin from a company that I was buying off of the uh, major retailer named after a large river in South America, and uh, 
I'm thinking there was some stuff in there that was not regulatable because some folks may remember that I was regularly bouncing during commercial breaks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there are things that are, that can be really targeted, right? So um, if you're if you're anemic, for example, you your doctor might be recommending an iron supplement. That's right. That's supplement right. Supplement and and multivitamin different things and certainly the advertising behind multivitamins it's very positive right everybody's smiling and yep. you're taking your multivitamin and going for heck, a walk even hulk, yeah even hulk hogan told you to eat your eat your vitamins little brothers and, and all the rest yeah the, the, so hulk, whole, the, hulk, hogan, whole... the hulk hogan multivitamins disappeared from store shelves after he got popped for uh using steroids the, those those but there was a whole away. generation but there was a whole generation of kids that were brought up on that tagline. Yeah, say and your prayers, works, say your right? prayers, say your and prayers, take your vitamins. Take your vitamins, brother. So, brother. Uh, so yeah, uh, the advertising clearly has worked. Um, but again, like with anything else, if you want to take something, talk to your doctor. Yeah. Talk to your 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 healthcare provider and see what they what they think because there. I was sitting in the doctor's office just a couple of days ago, and a drug rep walked in hey i've got this now uh, here's some samples and i thought wow right there's more more peddling yeah. if you will uh of of a drug and there's just all those advertisements on tv dave where they tell you oh we'll we'll clear up this condition for you by the way the side effects are blood it may cause and this, death. Yeah. <laughs> okay yeah so so it is it, it, you really are getting into the weeds on that one and and it, it, you need that machete to cut it down because there is a lot uh, of information that you need before you make a decision like that. Let's head over to Eliza Rocco on this one. Eliza, what about you? Any messing around with multivitamins on the daily? There is, actually. Um, I was raised in what I like to call a nuts and seeds household, uh, a.k.a. very, very healthy um, so my mom instilled in me from a very young age that I need to take my vitamins. It was an absolute need. So I, I don't know how much of a need that actually is, but I do take a multivitamin. I take um, calcium because my bones are very weak and I'm prone to breaking many okay, bones okay. all the time. Yep. And I take uh, B12 because I'm a vegetarian and I don't get B12 through meat. So I take a few. I take a few. There you go. A solid regiment with Eliza. <laughs> um, if, if you don't mind me asking a follow-up question, yeah. how do you go about doing your research to, to pick the brands or the types that you're going to pull off the shelf or order online? Uh, I don't do much research. I, I go over to my mom's house and I say, uh, what vitamins do I, I take? I love it. I love it. That's so good. That's so good. I, I go to her health food store and she picks out a, a bunch and she says, take these. And I say, okay. There we go. Go to, go to Dr. Mom. And Dr. Mom always has always has some advice on that one. Uh, by the way, we, I don't know if we can quite see them behind you, but uh, big shout out to a Maddie who's visiting us in the office shout today. To who's uh, doing the take your, take your child to school, uh, take your child to work day for her uh, grade nine class. So, Maddie, glad you could join us on the show today, and hopefully uh, you don't learn too many words uh, hanging out with broadcasters <laughs> behind the scenes. <laughs> Thank you very much, Eliza. That's Eliza Rocco. We'll talk to Eliza potentially a little bit later in the show. In the meantime, you can vote on the poll at Accessible Media on Twitter or at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook, and you can catch up with Mike Ross, who has the national weather updates. Thanks very much, Dave. We will begin your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada in St. John's, Newfoundland. Periods of rain beginning this morning, and your high there is 12 degrees. Halifax, Nova Scotia, clearing this morning at a high of 15 degrees. 
Montreal will be sunny today with a high of 14. Heading to the nation's capital, Ottawa, also sunny and a high of 14. Toronto, mainly sunny and a high of 14 degrees. In fact, it's going to be nice all week, Dave. I'm actually going to sneak in one more round of golf. I'm booking oh that Oh, my today. gosh. I'm so jealous. Can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, let's go to Thunder Bay next. Sunshine and a high of 16. When does that happen? Thunder Bay, a higher temperature than Ottawa or Toronto. That's kind of cool. Uh, how about Winnipeg? A mix of sun and cloud and a high of 19 degrees today. Oh, golfing. Every, now, everybody, everybody's going to get oh, a round yeah. of golf in here. Uh, absolutely. Though, let's just pump the brakes a little bit here as we go to Saskatoon next, because this is where the cold begins. Periods of snow beginning this morning, a risk of freezing rain. Your highs plus one, the wind chill minus nine this morning. Calgary, yesterday we talked about five centimeters of snow. Uh-oh, how about 10 more centimeters coming your oh, way today? Gosh. The temperature will be steady near minus five, the wind chill minus 14. Well, for, for folks in Calgary, Mike, they can listen to Kelly and company from yesterday where they talked about buying a good pair of winter boots. There you go. Absolutely. You're going to you're going to need them. So will Edmonton. They've got snow today, about five centimeters in total. The temperature will be steady near minus four and the wind chill minus 13. So maybe get a nice winter jacket and a toque and some mittens to go along with those boots. Uh, the yellow knife next. Mix the sun and cloud. The high minus 14. But the wind chill is where it's going to get you. Minus 26 this morning, minus 20 this afternoon. We've got clearing skies in Vancouver and a high of 10 degrees. And in Victoria, showers with thunderstorms ending this morning. Then clearing skies, the high there, 9 degrees. And that is your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Mike. Coming up next, we talk about Parasports. Travis Morrell will reflect on the 2022 Wheelchair Rugby World Championships. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. The 2022 Wheelchair Rugby World Championships recently took place in Denmark. Joining us now to tell you more and share some perspective is Travis Morrell, one of the members of Team Canada. Hey, Travis, great to chat with you once again. Hey, thanks for having me back. It's great to be on. So, Travis, it's been a couple of weeks. We were sharing daily updates with our sports reporter, Brock Richardson. I know there were some ups and downs throughout the tournaments, but with a couple of weeks of reflection, how are you feeling about the, the team's performance? Oh, man. I mean, of course, immediately after an event like that, especially when you, you know, don't quite finish how you want to, it can be pretty tough. But um, luckily, I've managed to to bounce back at a competition recently in Tampa that I just returned from. So it's nice to, to get some rugby in right after you get back. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those short memory things, right? That once you can get back into action, it makes it a little bit easier to, uh, to, to sort of brush off a, a bit of a disappointing performance that was fifth place. But as I mentioned, there were some ups and so, there were some ups in there. There was some really strong performance as well. So any positives to take away from the tournaments in Gen in Denmark? Oh, for sure. Like a couple of weeks uh, removed, you can definitely see some of the positives. I know, I know the team, like we played well, we've 
seen the top competition played against them, you know, in a lot of games we led. So we know we're right there and on any given day we can, we can beat them. It's just about putting it, uh, putting it together in those big moments. It's been a bizarre couple of years in the world of Paris sports, uh, sort of some stops and some goes along the way. I'm curious how the team's doing since uh, the performance of Tokyo. Now you've had another world championships under the belt. And the fact is we're, we're not far from the next cycle into the next summer games. So how are you, how are you and the team feeling? How's the makeup going? What, what kind of transition is going on? I think, uh, I think the team is feeling great just to be back playing and uh, having things back opened up. I know COVID hit, pretty much every every sport team hard and you know us especially where we're used to having quite a bit quite a busy international travel schedule and a lot of competitions and to have that wiped out you know was was difficult for all of us but now that uh, things are opening up back again I think we're seeing some of the competitions start to reappear on our schedule and I think it's good for everybody I want to get a sense of what it was like on the ground in Denmark. And and pardon my ignorance on this, but there were a couple days where you guys were doing two a days. And to say that wheelchair rugby is a physical sport is an understatement. How do you guys hold the bodies together when you're playing two a days like that? So we're extremely fortunate in that we're supported by an, an amazing support team where We've got massage therapists. We have ice tubs available. We've got a lot of recovery apparatus available to us to really maximize our time between games. And, you know, every team there play, is playing the same schedule, so that grind is, is there for everybody. And a lot of times it's the teams that can uh, recover the fastest and the best that really uh, come out on top. So I think that was a big uh, – a big what's the word? Something that we uh, – pegged early on is something that would be important for our success and I think uh, the guys do a great job of following through with that is is there an adrenaline that sets in while you're over there that perhaps maybe until the flight home you're not feeling some of that pain you're not feeling some of those bumps and bruises oh for sure especially at a world championships where you know you you only get an opportunity once every four four years so I mean all of the little minor aches and pains that normally would just slow you down you know you don't even feel so you definitely feel the adrenaline and, you know, all of the excitement during competition. And you can definitely get that dump after where you're like, holy cow, what did I just put my body through? Mm. So you mentioned you were down in Tampa Bay recently and it was nice to get back on the horse. I'm curious what the next couple of months look like for you, because as mentioned, we're, we're really not that far from starting the next Paralympic cycle. You've been competing here since 2008. What do these next couple months look like for you at a personal level in terms of getting your body ready for that next push? Yeah, so I mean, it's important to take some time off, but unfortunately, with uh, Tokyo 2020 being pushed back a year, it's really shortened our timeline for preparation. So, you know, I'm going to enjoy the next the next uh, two weeks, kind of to take some time, spend some time with my wife, reconnect with family, and enjoy a little time off. But uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, back back on the road, back on the grind. We've got another competition coming up, uh, November 16th, that we got to be prepared for. So. Uh, the breaks are definitely shorter with the shortened timeline. As I mentioned, you've been with the team since 08. So now that we're talking about years. Actually, sorry, 2006. 2006, my apologies, my apologies. So 2006, <laughs> I'm curious what 
what the growth of the sport has felt like with you there in the front row for these last 16 years. What are you seeing in terms of the youth movement in the sport, the grassroots of the sports, the next generation coming? Not that I'm not that I'm forcing you into retirement or anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's good because I plan on playing for at least another maybe 10, 20 years. <laughs> All right. The Tom Brady syndrome. No. Exactly. Um, no, it's been amazing to see the growth of the sport where when we started, it was predominantly spinal cord injured players and, you know, the game looked quite different than it does now, but I mean, wheelchair rugby spread to so many different countries and now we're seeing so much parity in what teams are competing for world championships and Paralympics where, you know, back when I started, there was honestly maybe two, three teams that had the opportunity to win a gold medal, and the rest of the teams were a, a step or two below. But now, going into a Paralympics, going into a World Championships, you see six, seven, eight teams that on any given day can win. So it's made things quite a lot more interesting and a lot more fun to, to see. Well, Travis, we're grateful for the work that you and your teammates are doing, the coaches, the support staff, and the entertainment that you're bringing us. The tournament in Denmark, I know, wasn't the result you guys were looking for, but it definitely there were, were some really exciting games along the way. So best of luck to you with a couple of weeks off here and with the competitions down the road, and we'll catch up uh, with you between now and 2024. All right. Thanks a lot. We really appreciate the sport. That's right on. That's uh, Travis Morrell, a member of the Team Canada wheelchair rugby team, joining us from Toronto. Ontario. Coming up next, we talk about health with Shane Baker, specifically how you can use multivitamins or supplements as part of a health management strategy. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your morning business minute. Canada's main stock index battled through mid-morning tech problems and a temporary halt in trading and closed higher. Toronto's TSX index gained 91 points yesterday to close at 19,517. New York's Dow Jones average lost 79 points and the Nasdaq gave back 97. In Tokyo this morning, the Nikkei index slipped 15 points and our dollar is trading overseas this morning at 73.57 cents U.S. Chinese shares surged this morning ahead of a decision today by the U.S. Federal Reserve on an interest rate increase. Canada's top banker and his deputy appeared before the Senate Banking Committee last night to take questions about the Bank of Canada's monetary policy. Governor Tiff Macklem reiterated the need for higher interest rates to cool inflation, but said the end of the monetary policy tightening cycle was drawing closer. Carolyn Rogers added that while addressing supply problems could help ease inflationary pressures, such policies would only be complementary to interest rate hikes and not substitutes. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Karen Rebo. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. I've got a question for you. Have you ever gone to your favorite retail website and typed in multivitamin? I'll give you a second to do that. Five, four, three, two, one. Did your screen just get overloaded? Did your screen reader just go crazy with options? I'll tell you the last time I did, I was shown dozens of results and had had absolutely no clue what to actually get. And that's probably the most basic thing to look up. Multivitamin. 
What about supplements or omega-3s or fish oils or powdered greens, etc., etc., etc.? It's pretty endless. So let's talk about vitamins and supplements with Shane Baker. Hey, good morning, Shane. Good morning, Dave. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Shane. I feel like we're kind of on this aging journey together, and sometimes our brains just <laughs> meld on a topic. But what got you thinking about vitamins and supplements? Well, usually this time of year is always a challenging one for me, and um, and this year is no exception. Where um, you know, like many many other uh, people, many of the viewers, um, as it gets to this time of year, we're back inside. We're not outside as much. We're maybe not out on our our, our daily or or you know every couple day walk. Where um, you know, we're just inside a little more. It's colder. Um, it's starting to have an impact on on myself, and it's just something that I regularly go through at this time of year. I know some people may have some a little bit more serious um, a seasonal affective disorder. I, I say I have a, a little bit. Yeah, I think I think we all have a tinge of that, right? There's all a sense of when it gets darker and colder, we're we're going to feel that. I know that I've caught two colds in the last four weeks, which uh, is not which is not awesome, but that's just how that's just how we be living over here, Shane. So, Shane, I described <laughs> my experience of trying to buy a multivitamin a couple of years ago, which ended up proving to be pretty overwhelming. I eventually found what I wanted, but how has your experience been shopping for vitamins or supplements? Oh, I would imagine it's a lot like everybody else's and a lot similar to yours. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, it can be overwhelming. And and I think one of the reasons why I first started exploring supplements was, you know, obviously to have, um, you know, a better health. But I also, I started to experience some some pretty significant side effects and some medications that I was using and, and, and not to go against medication because sometimes it's required, but I think sometimes there's some things on, on our side of, um, uh, on, on our side of things that we can do to, um, you know, maybe perhaps help improve our health and, and supplements was one of those options. And, um, one of the things I remember talking with my doctor about and and just going over it with him and and he's not a super strong believer in in a, a dozen or you know two dozen of supplements, but he definitely thought that a multivitamin, some B complex, and and potentially some magnesium were 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 good solid um, you know a solid group of three to choose from. <laughs> so so once you kind of got that guidance, did he also offer up maybe a little bit of advice on brands, or did you just walk into like like a shopper's drug mart or head over to that retailer named after a large South American river and punch the, and punch those things in. I think, I think, and that's, that's the thing that you really need to be able to find in your own community. Um, I, for, for myself, I was able to kind of go to a couple different um, vitamin stores or supplement stores and actually go in and speak with some of the represent, some of their customer service representatives. And I was just really impressed with, with some of the, the knowledge that some of these people had. And so I would just sit and listen and, and ask questions. And, and I think that's a really important part of it is really looking in. And I think especially with the advancement of, of the pandemic, there has been a lot of, let's say, nefarious advertising, um, you know, things like vitamin D and, and, and a lot of these things can actually be really good for you. But, um, you know, potentially staying off COVID may not actually be on their, uh, <laughs> right, what they're right. used for. But <laughs> Uh, Shane, you walked us through it a bit before, but but remind us again. Your actually your medical professional recommended a couple of things there. So what is what is the uh, the, the, the trifecta that you've put together for yourself there? 
So, so for me, uh, as I said, as I get through this this time of year, um, we're we're not outside, and and vitamin D is a is a good one because it's something that we need, and and especially us living in in above the forty ninth parallel here in in Canada, we actually don't get access to a lot of good vitamin D in the winter times, and so um, a good supplement is actually um, a good idea during this time of year, and so I usually take about a thousand or two thousand units um per day and um and you know but check with your check with your your doctor as well I, i'm not a i'm not a physician but these are just some of the things that i've learned along the way um one of the other ones that i think is is um really good and, and i actually haven't been taking it recently but i think i'm going to start and that's the magnesium and, and magnesium is a really excellent sort of mineral um uh, supplement that can assist in in staying asleep. Many of us in this mm. busy time, our, our brains don't shut off, and and magnesium um, can be one of those supplements. Even even using it in a bath, almost as a topical, um, as an Epsom salt, can be really quite wonderful and actually help you sleep. So those are kind of the ones that um, are kind of in my my regular as well as a, a multivitamin. Sometimes I'm not as good at as um, getting all of my nutritious vitamins and minerals from my food. And so sometimes using a supplement um, or, or adding something to my smoothie is, is an option that I mm. go for. Yeah. Do you ever keep some of some stuff around that maybe you would use more irregularly? I know when I used to live with my old roommates, especially in cold and flu season, they would tell me, here, try some of this echinacea or here, try some of this oil of oregano. It's going to help your immune system. Again, not that not the word doctors here, not that we're saying that's like the, the, the silver bullet mm-hmm. to preventing these kinds of things hitting you. But I will say that there was it was nice to have someone there kind of nudging me along and saying, here, just have a little bit of this. It's It, it might help you a teensy <laughs> tiny bit. Yeah, I think my my partner is actually one of those people, and and so she has gotten me into the echinacea, the the oil of oregano, and whenever one of us gets a little bit of a scratchy throat, or um, you know, or whatever, uh, she's pulling out her echinacea and oil of oregano and and telling me to open my mouth. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, um, and I think one of the other things that I, I've also started to use um, recently is, um, and, and many, many Canadians and people around the world are starting to use them is the sort of medicinal powers of, of mushrooms. And as a First Nations um, uh, from Gixan, which is in Northwest BC, we use um, uh, something called chaga. And chaga is a something that can grow on the the birch tree and be made into um, dried and made into a tea or a tincture. And and so that's something that I've been looking at and exploring, um, you know, to to try and reduce some of the inflammation that I have with my arthritis and things like that. Yeah, I found myself using a lot of sage tea at certain points in my life for a lot of that 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 throat soothing, which is more of a a Middle Eastern uh, home home remedy, which is one that I've I've been very happy to have had uh, shown to me and I've utilized from time to time. Shane, I want to borrow another story from my own personal experience here. I've told you before there was a time in my life where I was very into weightlifting, and I would occasionally dabble in some supplements and some vitamins, uh, some fat burners, some other specialty products, and the results at times could be pretty. Stunning. I remember while on one in particular, my biceps must have grown like three inches in a month. I later learned that I would have failed an Olympic drug test uh, because of because of what was in that supplement. I'm curious if you want to offer up a word of caution on how people should be uh, dipping their toe in a fairly unregulated market. 
Yeah, and I think it's important that that you bring that up. I think that um, supplements are a huge industry, and probably billion dollar, billions of billions of dollar industry uh, worldwide. And there's going to be some some let's say um, you know maybe not so true facts that they're trying to put out there. Um, and so I think it's important that first you talk with your doctor. Some of these supplements can and will interact with any medications that you're on. Um, and and your doctor will be open to listen to you. And, and it's not as if they, they'll be against it. They just might know a little more than you and say, hey, this one over here that you mentioned, it may not be a great idea. Another option is also to speak with your uh, pharmacist. And, um, and I would also stick to really sound... Um, websites. Um, so when you're doing your research, it may not be great to pick the very, very top listing, which is usually an advertisement when you're searching on Google, maybe go to some of the more, um, some of the more trusted websites that are that are dealing with medical information and things like that. Have you ever thought about messing around with some of these like powdered vegetables, like some of these powdered uh, veggie mixes that you would like put in put in with water? Oh, I, I've I've tried it. I, I had a, I had a, um, a um, some some type of thing. I think it was called the Athletic Greens or something like that. And I would add it to my smoothie. I'm not the greatest with eating all my ve- all my vegetables, and so <laughs> you, you that and was both. just an option. <laughs> was just an option that I could kind of let's say skirt the system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just mix it in there with my smoothie, with my with my bananas and my strawberries and my blueberries. We'll see if we can mask <laughs> that one. Uh, Shane, one last question for you here, because one of the things about vitamins and supplements that that is known is that some of them require you to take them with water. Some of them require you to take them with food. Some of them are better off taken at other points in the day. Do you establish a routine at all or do you just take a handful in the morning and say, so that's it? No, I would definitely say you need to find your place. I think there's going to be some medication, you know, like for instance, the magnesium is something I take um, about an hour before bed. And there's actually going to be some supplements that actually may be a little bit energizing. They may be, um, you know, they may be something that would be great to have before a workout or before you start your day, but maybe not so great to to take at at bedtime because it actually may interrupt that 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 REM sleep that we really need and and want uh, in our night. So yeah, definitely, definitely think and do your research and and really look and, and talk to others. I'm, a lot of people have taken supplements and a lot of people will know, um, you know, that this one maybe not be may, may not be do exactly what it states, but there may be some that actually have some really solid benefits for some people. And we're all very different. So, you know, make sure and um, find what's right for you. Well, Shane, I've had a multivitamin sitting next to my coffee and tea for about a couple months now that has remained unopened. I think after this conversation today, we're going to get on back on track tomorrow and get that multivitamin back in my <laughs> life. And maybe then I'll stop catching all these colds. In the meantime, Shane, we say goodbye to you. Have yourself a great couple of weeks and we'll talk to you again in November. Always a pleasure. I say we'll talk to you again in November. We'll talk to you later again in November because we're talking to you twice this month. <laughs> a double dose of Shane. That's what I'm talking about in the month of November. Shane, all the best, my friend. Thank you. That's Shane Baker talking about the health benefits of multivitamins, vitamins, and supplements. And that, of course, is our daily poll question. Love to get your take on this one. So don't be afraid to head over to Accessible Media on Twitter or Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook and answer the question, do you take a multivitamin daily? 
yes or no. If social media is not your thing, you can always find us elsewhere by sending us an email, feedback at ami.ca, feedback at ami.ca, or you can give us a phone call, 1-866-509-4545, 1-866-509-4545. And don't forget, just because we're talking about multivitamins or parasports, it doesn't mean you can't chime in on anything that we're talking about the show or things that you feel we're not talking about enough. We have very thick skin here on Now with Dave Brown, and we're very open to your feedback and to hearing from you. So feel free to reach out and give us feedback on all things we do on the show. 1-866-509-4545. That's 1-866-509-4545. Coming up after the break, Derek Lackey will be here. He's going to tell you all about the Accessible Sports Expo coming to Winnipeg this month. The return of Derek Lackey. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's head into the prairies to say hello to Derek Lackey, community reporter in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Hey, good morning, Derek. How are you? Not bad. How are you doing, Dave? I can't complain, can't complain. Derek, we've had a very themed first hour to the show. We were talking to Travis Morrow of the Canadian wheelchair rugby team. And then we were talking about multivitamins and supplements last segment with Shane Baker. And today you want to tell us a little bit about the accessible sports expo coming to Winnipeg. So we've got a real theme going on here in the first hour of the show. So it's put on by accessible sport connection, Manitoba. Give me a little bit of background on the organizers and how they serve the community. So the organizers of this event are actually uh, para-athletes themselves. You have Kirby Coat, um, uh, that's a, a, an athlete in there. Uh, and and what it is, is it's a group of uh, athletes themselves that put together this organization. And uh, they're actually out of the same building as uh, Manitoba Blind Sports and uh, one of the um, accessible and one of the, the bigger gyms here downtown in Winnipeg. And uh, they put together this organization so in that way they can bring awareness to uh, all of the disability communities about the different uh, sports and uh, programs that are out there and that are running and are available and made them accessible and, and reaching out to their uh, individual groups like uh, like the Vern um, organization as well as CNIB, the Deaf and, and Hearing Centers. Uh, and cerebral palsy and, and reaching out to them to show individuals and their families what is available when it comes to disability and uh, remaining active in playing some sports. So what's going to be showcased at the at the expo? Any, any sports in particular? You know what? This, this expo is going to be great. They have more than 25 organizations and facilitators ready to go, as well as, uh, you know, coaches and some of the athletes themselves. So this would definitely be a great place to hit up if you have any kind of curiosity when it comes to uh, accessible uh, sports or even just, you know, uh, as a hobby, uh, something you like to remain active in. We have everything from self-defense with jujitsu to uh, fencing uh, for wheelchair individuals. There's swimming, rock climbing, uh, archery, uh, air rifle shooting. Um, there's deadlifting. 
badminton, volleyball. Oh my gosh. Uh, just biathlon. It is, it is going to be a mecca of uh, athletic uh, organizations and, and in, information really where we can really have that opportunity to get in there see what's even out there for individuals whether you're an amputee whether you're in a wheelchair uh you have a a, a learning or a disability or a learning delay or you know you're deaf or you're blind uh you know really come out you can try everything and anything that's there and if there's something that you're not there with this is the place to be because if you have an idea of something that really would be up your alley that you think would be a great uh, athletic, uh, you know, a sport or, or something, just activity to keep active, this is a place to bring it to these individuals, raise the questions and really pique the curiosity of some of these people because this is what they do. This is their passion. Yeah. This is this is what it's it's here for is to make sure that everything and anything that someone wants to see on the table can be really you know dissected, looked into, researched, and maybe eventually be brought to fruition and, and available for us. Yeah, these are the movers, the shakers, and the decision makers when it comes to uh, when it comes to accessible sports. So definitely bringing your ideas to them, they can they can think of solutions, they can make plans. This would be a great place for some brainstorming and ideation. Derek, I know for a fact that you've partaken in some archery in your day. I'm curious of that list of sports that you fired off. Any of them tickle your fancy? You know, I would love to give my hand a try at a few of them. I have done accessible rock climbing when um, Manitoba Blind Sports first put on a sports day at our University of Winnipeg campus shortly after I lost my eyesight. And this was before I even got into blind archery and I even knew it was available. I, uh, I had my chance at first trying out yoga there uh, myself and, and just kind of feeling out. I mean, I, I've seen yoga before, but I'd never tried it. But getting out there and actually finding out, you know, through description and directions from your coach, you know, exactly was it going to be possible? How would you do things? Because when I first lost my eyesight, I was like, well, I guess that's it. I, I've got nothing but walking like I, I can never do anything again. And it is so far from the fact I find myself here, you know, about, uh, you know, coming up on nine years later, just how much is actually available and, and what's there. And. You know, the rock climbing is really fun. I would love to try badminton again because I did play competitively back in uh, in in my years at in, in junior high. Uh, I, I'm not sure if they actually have an audible uh, birdie available, but that would be something I would definitely bring up to them to find out, hey, can you guys do an audible birdie? Yeah, we tried yeah. maybe a, a slightly larger racket, you know, um, doing that. I have a tandem bike that my wife and I bought. Um, not this past summer, but the year before. So we have been on a tandem bike. Takes a lot of work. Don't just jump on and try and go because it <laughs> won't happen. There was a lot of Three Stooges moments that happened just trying to get it going. So it was great time, though. Great for a laugh. Lots of lookers when that happens. And especially when you throw a trailer on the back with a toddler, individuals just can't help but smile and laugh. Oh, my gosh. That's a convoy <laughs> through and through. You know, being able to do stuff like that, you know, the power lifting, I, I would love to get back into doing some some weightlifting, you know, doing the power lifting, you know, swimming, the air rifle shooting, I, I would love to do. I, I loved going out and, and, you know, clay shooting and just target shooting with my friends and, and actual firearms, you know, so having it available at 
it's an air rifle and it's it's all done safely would be another fantastic i'd love to try again uh, i've done accessible running with my wife through a learn to run clinic with the running room and and i did a 5k uh, you know running with her uh it'd be nice to not have to put the stress of of guiding me on on her just because you know she was having a really hard time concentrating and we did go flying over one manhole at least i did and um you know, I lost a little bit of skin, but hey, it was a great time. Uh, you know, I bled it out, I sweat it out, and we had a good laugh at the end. But, um, you know, there's there's so many of them there that it just really opens your eyes when you hear everything from, you know, sledge hockey to wheelchair badminton to wheelchair basketball to volleyball. There's just so many of them that I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden your mind starts going, going, hey, I wonder if you could do this. I wonder if you could do that. You know, cross-country skiing, downhill skiing you know, trail hiking, there's just so yeah. much that's available. It's, it's, it's absolutely mind blowing, even for myself, when you're sitting there going like, wow, like, I, I didn't think any of this would be possible. But you know, like how much of it is actually possible for blind individual individuals, I'm not sure. But I know that quite a few of those organizations there have things for us, or would definitely be up for the task of trying to see if they can make it accessible. Yeah, committed to the movement, committed to making sport more inclusive. Derek, to my mind, one of the great things about sports and organized sports is that it does build community. And we live in a time when it's becoming more and more difficult to build in-person community and that human connection. Why do you think sports are important? You know, I think sports are absolutely vital, uh, you know, when it comes to learning about fair play, especially for kids, um, you know, uh, fair play, uh, teamwork, and how there's no I in team, you know, it, it's it's really about that group environment, learning to stay active and learning the fun of sports is a big one that, you know, when my dad was young and we were coaching, it wasn't about winning. It was about, did you have fun? And that's all that mattered, win or lose. And until you became, you know, older playing really competitive hockey and yeah, you want to win, but as long as you're still enjoying what you do and if you don't enjoy, then it's not the right fit for you. It's time to move on. So I think learning about teamwork, learning about sportsmanship, and just learning about how much fun it can be to be out there and active it is the most important thing when it comes to sports. Well, I'm going to give folks the details on this because uh, I think you've made a really compelling case as to why folks in the Winnipeg area should make their way down to the Accessible Sport Expo, which takes place November 13th at the University of Manitoba. And for more information, you can visit ascmanitoba.ca slash expo a scmanitoba.ca slash expo. And of course, if you didn't get that one uh, written down fast enough, you can always visit our blog after the show, ami.ca slash now, ami.ca slash now. Hey, Derek, great to chat with you once again. All the best to you. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Sounds great, Dave. Thank you very much. That's Derek Lackey, community reporter in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And I'll give you that blog address one more time, ami.ca slash now. Let's get ourselves to a couple of news stories. A new report from the Canadian Centre for Child Protection has found hundreds of school personnel accused of sexual offences between 2017 and last year. Karen Rebo has more. 
The report from the Winnipeg-based center says 252 teachers, janitors or administrators were accused of committing offenses impacting at least 548 children over the five-year time frame. Noni Klassen, the center's director of education, says the numbers gleaned from disciplinary records, media sources and criminal case law are startling and likely an underestimation due to a lack of transparency and oversight. We really know this is the tip of the iceberg and there's so much work to be Done. Nearly 85% of offenders were men. The victims were mainly girls. And 58% of the offenses took place on school property. Karen Rebo, the Canadian Press. Let's move over to an international politics story that involves climate. British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak will be attending the UN Climate Summit in Egypt. Charles de Ledesma has the latest. Sunak's office had previously said he was going to skip the talks, which start on Sunday because of pressing domestic commitments, including the closely watched government budget statement expected to be announced on November 17. But Sunak has now tweeted he would be attending the two-week gathering because he says there's no long-term prosperity without action on climate change. Sunak's earlier decision to miss the talks has been criticised by many, including his climate adviser Alok Sharma, Britain currently holds the presidency of the Conference of the Parties and hosted the Climate Summit in Glasgow last year. Charles Diladesma, London. Earlier in the show, we were shouting out to one of our colleagues' daughters who's hanging out in Eliza Rocco's audio control room today. So big shout out to Maddie, who's here as part of Take Your Child to Work Day. Super, super cool. When I grew up in Quebec, we did not do that at my schools. But Eliza Rocco, you had a really positive experience with Take Your Child to Work Day when I, you were a kid. Oh, I really did. Um, my dad worked at City TV. Um, and even on uh, not bring your child to work days, I just loved, loved going in there. And maybe that's why I ended up here. But <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would, he would have to be at work at five in the morning and we lived an hour and a half away from Toronto. Oh my gosh. So I would be getting up real early on those days. But it was, I got to nap in the editing suite afterwards, so it was fine. But I got to be the weather girl sometimes. No way. I was on news segments. It was just the coolest, the coolest thing ever. And it was, it was the best experience. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom, so I didn't get to go with her. I was here with her uh, most of the time anyways. But that experience with my dad was was so valuable. So I was really happy that Maddie got to come in today. I, I want to ask Mike Ross, because again, as mentioned, we definitely did not do that at my high schools, either of my high schools in Montreal. But Mike, what about your experience uh, in the Ottawa area? Did they ever do Take Your Kid to, to, to Work Day? No, we never did that. Um, that was something that came along, I mean, I think maybe even after my time in university. Okay. Uh, it yeah. wasn't something that we ever experienced. The only thing that I ever did that was even that, that was close to that, um, I was big into politics, obviously, and history and such. Uh, we got a chance, a, a, a classmate and I got a chance to follow our MP around for a day. Oh, that's pretty um, cool. So, but, but that wasn't, you know, it's not like it was something that was an annual thing that was open to everybody. It was something that we had talked to our teacher about. Our teacher loved the idea, pitched it. They, the MP, uh, the MP accepted it. So yeah, we got to follow him around. We had lunch in the uh, House of Commons uh, or the parliamentary cafeteria. We sat in the members gallery for question period. Uh, pretty cool experience, but not something that was a regular thing. Very, very cool. Mike, thanks for your thoughts on that one. I'm curious out there in the viewer vortex. What was your experience with Take Your Child to Work Day? 
Did you do anything cool? Did you find an experience, maybe even a lifelong dream while you were doing that? Reach out to the show. Give us your feedback. Send us an email, feedback at ami.ca, feedback at ami.ca. You can also find us on social media. At Accessible Media Inc. is where you find us on Instagram and Facebook. At Accessible Media is where you find us on Twitter and TikTok. That's right. We're on TikTok. In fact, on Halloween, there were all kinds of great pictures of AMIers and AMI personalities in their costumes. Not me, because I was not wearing a costume. I was dressed like a slovingly TV host. But that's not a costume. That's how I dress every day. I dress like a child, even though I'm almost 40 years old. You can also reach out to us via phone, 1-866-509-4545, 1-866-509-4545. Coming up after the break, I have the regional news update, and Brock Richardson will be here for a sports chat. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. It's Wednesday, November the 2nd, 2022. Coming up in the second hour of the show, John Lepke explores the impact of the Hockey Canada scandal on para-hockey, women's hockey, and more broadly, we'll talk about the equity programs that are impacted by the scandal. And researchers from the University of Calgary describe how gamification can help students with learning disabilities transition to post-secondary education. But first, I have the regional news update. Environment Canada is warning of heavy snow today in southeastern British Columbia. A snowfall alert says up to 10 centimeters will fall in East Kootenay and up to 20 centimeters are expected in Elk Valley. The snow should taper off to flurries by conditions as well as sudden loss of visibility. Over to the prairies, Saskatchewan has introduced a bill to amend its constitution, signaling the province is gearing up for a fight with the federal government over its environmental policies. Justice Minister Bromwyn Iyer says the changes reassert that Saskatchewan has exclusive jurisdiction over its own natural resources. This isn't about Fed bashing for kicks. This is about quantifying, assessing, and defining economic harm. It's about our place in this federation and our, our responsibility to the people of Saskatchewan. The Saskatchewan First Act will also set up a tribunal to determine economics harms caused by federal environmental policy. Over to Ontario, an update on the potential education workers strike or the one that has been mandated it cannot happen. Federal Justice Minister David Lametti says the government is considering intervening to stop provinces from using the notwithstanding clause to prevent judicial scrutiny on legislation. Lametti says Ontario is eviscerating the role of the courts in Canada's democracy by evoking the clause at the same time as it pushes legislation to impose a contract on education workers to prevent them from striking later this week. The use of the notwithstanding clause is very serious. It De facto means that people's rights are being uh, infringed and it's being justified using the notwithstanding clause. And using it preemptively is exceedingly problematic. It cuts off both political debate and judicial scrutiny. Ontario Premier Doug Ford says the back-to-work legislation is about protecting children. 
we're making sure that the students stay in class. I'm going to repeat that. They're going to stay in class. We want parents to know that we're doing everything we can to make sure students don't miss one single day in class. And then over to Atlantic Canada, the New Brunswick government has introduced legislation that would make it mandatory for people working on fishing boats to wear life jackets or personal flotation devices. The requirement is contained in amendments introduced yesterday to the province's Occupational Health and Safety Act. The amendments include designating fishing vessels as a place of employment, which require a safe environment. That's your look at the regional news. Let's bring in Brock Richardson for a sports chat. So, Brock, the sports gods looked down upon us fondly yesterday. We were going to talk a little bit more about basketball. We were going to be talking about trouble in Brooklyn for the Brooklyn Nets. And then we didn't have time. But in the afternoon, the Brooklyn Nets and their head coach, Steve Nash, they decided to part ways. So as we engage in a bit of an NBA roundup here, Brock, let's start with Steve Nash and the Brooklyn Nets. Your reaction to the team letting their coach go after just, a, what, a season and a half? Not even. Yeah, it, it, he has not been there very long at all. Um, I I'm, was a little bit surprised. I was kind of surprised at the wording of both mutually agreed to part ways. To me, that sort of screams as we can do this the right, the you know, the right way of making this look good. Or if you don't resign and we don't agree to mutually part ways, then we're going to fire you. So that's that's the first um, thing. Um, I think that Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant have been pretty vocal in some of their on-court actions that they wanted Steve Nash removed. I think that the team at times hasn't really been playing for Steve Nash. So again, here's another one of these situations where the players win over on the situation. And I feel bad for Steve Nash because I like Steve Nash, but I wouldn't want to be coaching what I'm going to call a tire fire right now. That team is a complete tire fire and it gets worse with who they decided to bring in, supposedly, uh, to replace Steve Nash. Okay, so okay. Let, 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 let's get to the report, because this is just a report right now. There's no evidence that this is indeed the case, but pretty much within moments of the Nash firing, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, one of the best basketball reporters on the planet, says that the Nets are looking at bringing in Boston Celtics' suspended coach, Emi Adoka, who's currently facing a suspension for sexual misconduct inside the organization. So that's the report that the Nets are going to bring in a suspended coach with sexual misconduct allegations hanging over his head to replace their 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 coach they just fired. Yeah, and and my question to you, Dave, with this, and I couldn't find a definitive, definitive answer on this, but is one Yudoka suspended for the entire year through the NBA, or is it just through Boston? Team I'm suspension. Pretty sure team suspension. Team. Okay, it, it is team. Okay, so I, I thought it was. I thought it was the whole. But but thing. It, it, yeah. it's a team suspension because the league would have stepped in. Right. This was their way of saying, no, no, look how tough we are. We're the Boston Celtics. We don't want sexual misconduct scandals 
following us around. We don't need the league to step in. We're not the Cleveland Browns. We believe, we believe in, in, in ethics as an organization. We will suspend him. I'm genuinely curious, though, that the we will suspend him can only go so far if it, they, they then say, hey, Brooklyn, give us a first round pick and you can have our suspended coach and then you and the league can figure this out. Yeah, yeah, that this is the other thing that that I that I wonder is like, OK, he's suspended as a team, but that also doesn't mean then that he's fired as a head coach. Like, there's been no reports saying he's not going to return. There hasn't been any reports saying that he is going to return either. But he's not been fired. So this could get really murky, which is why you rightfully pointed out that this is just a report. And I want to make very clear, there's nothing definitive on this. This is just a report that came out mere moments after. But pretty much everything that Adrian Wojnarowski touches has you know, I would say 75 to 80% truth in it uh, when it's first reported. So do look at that for what it's worth. But yeah, what a mess in, in Brooklyn. Would you want to coach that? Like no. if they, no, see, neither would I. Straight up, like, the, the, the players <laughs> are running that team right now. And I do believe in the value in player empowerment. I think players have earned the right to be involved in significant decision-making at the organizational level, especially a player like Kevin Durant, who is, you know, the second or third best basketball player in the world right now. Uh, well, certainly top five. Now, now I'm going to go down a rabbit hole. But suffice to say, Kevin Durant has <laughs> earned that opportunity. However, however, it maybe has overcorrected a little bit too much there. And there's now something of a gaggle of decision makers that include Kyrie Irving, who decides to post links to anti-Semitic documentaries, or Ben Simmons, who decides that he cannot shoot basketballs ever and has just all kinds of issues off the courts deciding to date uh, the Kardashian family. Never a good idea. That's poor decision making <laughs> through and through. You're also talking about a team who's maxed out to the salary cap, does not have their own first round pick this year, does not have their own first round pick the year following. This team is in deep, deep trouble, Brock. I would not want to dip my toes in these waters because this, this is, you call it as a tire fire. I think we're maybe even be beyond tire fire. I think the whole dump is on fire at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, it, and you know, it makes me sad when I look at, you know, Brooklyn's record at, at two and six as of last night and one of those two wins was against our beloved Toronto Raptors on a back-to-back. -back. Man, would I like to redo that game again. Yeah, seriously. I, <laughs> it's just, you watch the team, and I, and I watched them last night, and I thought to myself, there is no team in this. Like, nothing is going right. Passes are going above people's heads. They're going out about. Like, what is happening? And if, I, like, if I'm Steve Nash, and even... Uh, Ima Yudoka, like I'm looking at this going, doesn't matter how much money you pay me, I don't I don't want this. But if you're a suspended coach and you don't think Boston is gonna, you know, re up you once your suspension's over, well of course the guy's gonna look for a job. Yeah, and get I that guess money. and I guess the argument is a job is a job is a job, but you have to enjoy the environment you're in, I would think. And and Brooklyn would not be an enjoyable environment to be a part of, let alone to be a fan, because I'm watching it as an outsider going, what is happening here? <laughs> like, yeah. Twice in a decade, that team has gone all in, and twice in a decade, it appears that's going to blow up in their faces.
They had the they had the big trade for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and Darren Williams in the mid the mid twenty teens, and uh, that blew up in their face. And they lost a lot of draft picks to the Boston Celtics. And it looks like the same thing is going to happen to them with Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and the James Harden trade, where a bunch of their picks went out to the Houston Rockets. Brock, yeah, and this just this doesn't this proves to me that just because you put a bunch of talent on a team and make it a super team. That doesn't mean anything. You gotta. They still have to gel as a team, and clearly in Brooklyn, that's not happening. Anyway, Dave, let's move on. Yeah, Brock, I, I do want to ask you one question before we get to the Philadelphia 76ers because you posted a, a binary question to me yesterday. Who's in worse shape, the Brooklyn Nets, who are now 2-6 and six in the bottom five in the league without their own first-round pick, or the Los Angeles Lakers, who are 1-5 in the bottom five of the league without their first-round pick? I think just based on, like, catastrophe levels the Brooklyn Nets are in worse shape but the Lakers are in really rough shape too it's kind of six to one half a dozen of another and it shows it in their records but to me and my answer would have been different yesterday uh my answer I would have said to you I I think the LA Lakers are in in a bit of a worse shape with all that's going on with Russell Westbrook and you know wanting out and all this I do think that, you know, Brooklyn is now in worse shape. They do not look like a team. Their their off-court stuff is just ridiculous. I do not think, even with all this talent, they're going to be able to pull themselves into a position where they're going to be um, contendable in, in the playoffs. I, I just think that they're going to get there, I believe, but I don't think it's going to be a very yeah. deep run. I, like I said, I wouldn't want to be there, and... They just doubled down yesterday by by putting a report out there that they're gonna hire a suspended coach. Like to me, it <laughs> just it like they're just putting smelly garbage on top of that dumpster fire, yeah. and the garbage is just burning, and it's just gross. Total so mess. To, Total mess. To me, even though even though both organizations are in a mess, Brooklyn gets the slight edge. So congratulations, Brooklyn, for being more than a, more of a mess than the. LA Lakers. Brock, this next story is quite in the weeds of the technicalities of the NBA, but I do want to get your reaction to it. The Philadelphia 76ers have been hit with a penalty for some free agency tampering. They're going to lose two second round picks over the next couple of years as a result of early contact with free agents before the period officially opened. Your reaction to the story? I mean, I, I get that it's a little bit of a murky situation, but on its face, if you look at this and say, well, you're not supposed to talk to free agents until free agency is open, well, then that's the rule, and, and this is the punishment. Now, of course, uh, the 76ers are going to try and say, we didn't. The league is going to say, well, this is why we think you did. So this is where we get into the murky waters. But on its face, Dave, if we look at this and say, did you talk to somebody before you should have? If the answer is yes, well, then you face this penalty. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. It's pretty straightforward. You got busted. You pay the price. Brock, let's move on to baseball. The World Series. Philadelphia Phillies win game three, 7-0 over the Houston Astros. I've got a clip here of Phillies third baseman Alec Baum saying each win is building the team's confidence. Everywhere you look on our roster, you know, we got, you know, really good players, some experience, and so, you know, we should be confident, and I think uh, you know the more you show yourself, you know you belong in these situations. I think that confidence just naturally grows. 
Brock, I don't think we had a five-home run performance by the Phillies on our radar going into last night's game. Your reaction to a dominant Phillies win? Well, uh, when I think you must be looking at my notes again because the first one I had was the five-run, uh, the five-home run game. This is uh, another record in the uh, World Series, never been done before. Uh, we don't mark. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies as a power team, but man, did they ever do it last night? I mean, Bryce Harper kicked it off with, uh, with a, a home run and it was just so amazing. And you could just see that crowd just explode. And I don't want to get too far down this road, but I will say one of the comments they made last night, when you have an undefeated NFL team and the Philadelphia Phillies have become first and foremost, Philadelphia is a town you want to mm-hmm. uh, be in. Um, when I when I woke up this morning, Dave, there was a, a narrative that I don't like on this. I, I heard a few things on radio this morning saying that Lance Mc, McCullers Jr. was tipping his pitches. And my reaction to this, Dave, is quite simple. Uh, so what if he was? He obviously wasn't doing it on purpose. If he was, you still have to hit the baseball. Yes. And I think... And I think sometimes we get into this, well, what happened? Like, why was there five runs hit? Well, can we just look at this and say there was five runs hit because the Philadelphia Phillies had a really solid game plan instead of looking at this and saying, well, what did the pitcher do wrong? No, I think the hitters deserve some credit, Dave, and all this. And and, and they played really well last night. And five home runs, I don't think that's a, that's a fluke. I think they had a really good game plan. So I'm not buying the tipping of the pitches and to me even if I said to you Dave I'm going to throw you a fastball that still means you have to hit it <laughs> yeah. I, I could t- I could tell you exactly what I'm going to throw that still means you have to hit my 98 mile an hour fastball so uh, I mean you know you've, you've clearly never been to a batting cage with me uh, it doesn't matter what you tell me it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> matter we're just swinging and missing whiffing through and through uh Brock we got to get out of here but you have yourself a great day enjoy game four of the world series a bunch of hockey on the agenda tonight as well we'll talk a little hockey a little football a little baseball we'll run around the sports world again tomorrow sounds good looking forward to it that is Brock Richardson at the AMI sports desk Mike Ross is at the AMI weather desk Thank you very much, Dave. This is your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada, and we begin in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland. Showers and some snow today in the higher elevations. Expect 5 to 10 millimeters of rain overall. The high is 10 degrees and will fall to 4 in the afternoon. Let's go to Charlottetown next. Clearing skies through the day and a temperature steady near 12 degrees. St. John, New Brunswick. Mainly sunny today with a high of 13. Over to Quebec City, similar situation there. Sunshine and a high of 13. As we go to Toronto, it'll be mainly sunny with a high of 14. To Northern Ontario and Sault Ste. Marie, sunshine today and a high of 17. Randon, Manitoba will see a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 18. To Regina, where it will be mainly sunny with a high of 10 degrees. Now into Lethbridge, snow heavy at times, expecting about 10 centimeters. The temperature will be steady near minus two. The wind chill minus eight this morning, minus 13 this afternoon. Red Deer will get some snow at times heavy and some local blowing snow in the morning, 10 to 15 centimeters in total. The temperature steady near minus four, 
The wind chill near minus 13. To Whitehorse, cloudy with snow and local blowing snow. Your high minus 3. The wind chill minus 18 this morning, minus 11 in the afternoon. Kelowna, you've got a mix of sun and cloud and a high of plus 4 today. Your wind chill will be minus 5 this morning. And in Vancouver, clearing skies and a high of 10 degrees. And that was your National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Mike. Coming up after the break, John Lepke explores the impact of the Hockey Canada scandal on para-hockey, women's hockey, and all the other equity programs associated with the brand. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown. The Hockey Canada scandal continues to impact the sport at all levels. Even with the board stepping aside, sponsorship dollars and government funding remain frozen. Now, we've spoken about the organization's mishandling of complaints related to sexual misconduct and other misconduct. What we haven't explored in depth is how the freeze in funding may impact equity-based programs. Think grassroots programs or women's hockey or parasports. Let's discuss some of these ramifications with journalist John Lepke. John recently wrote an article for the Globe and Mail on this issue. Hey, good morning, John. Great to chat with you once again. Good morning, Dave. So, John, let's start right here. How concerned should parasports funded under the Hockey Canada umbrella be? Well, I think we've seen, um, as uh, as I pointed out in the article, and as some other journalists have pointed out, um, particularly at the Globe and Mail and elsewhere, um, that uh, that some funders have have named their commitment to Parasport. Other funders, um, it's unclear whether they were ever funding Parasport in the first place, um, and some have seemed silent. So, uh, yeah, l- let's call it a mixed bag. Um, I-, I think. The level of concern, and I don't have, you know, access to balance sheets or anything like that. The the level of concern um, is more on the reputational side, uh, as I'm sure we'll get into. I, I I know we don't have access to the balance sheet, John, but mm-hmm. but certainly I think we can make some well-guided assumptions here about the importance of the funding for these programs at the elite and grassroots level that comes from the top down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the, one of the things that we see in Canadian parasport is this difference of model. So whereas something like wheelchair uh, basketball Canada or um, uh, Canada wheelchair rugby exists as their own uh, separate nonprofits, um, uh, things like the para hockey team existing, or at least one of the para hockey teams, because there is a, a funding push for a women's para hockey team. Um, Whereas that is more under this large and broad band. And, um, and that means that there are advantages inherently and, and disadvantages to, those, to both of those models. Let, let's dive a little deeper into these models, because obviously that we can advocate and say, please make sure you're funding these programs properly, these equity programs properly. But beyond the advocacy, is there something different that can be done around a funding model? Maybe sponsors giving money more directly to programs as opposed to the organization at large? 
Well, I think we need to make a distinction here um, oftentimes between what is happening at the national level and what is happening at, at the provincial or regional level. I mean, here on the prairies, um, you know, in the last 10 or so years, we've seen an explosion from one or two uh, para hockey teams to five or six. Um, if you look at the national team roster for uh, for the Paralympic team, a lot of those uh, focused, um, if you look at where athletes are from, in Ontario, Quebec, and Alberta, um, a lot of the funding when we talk about the health of the sport is actually at that regional level, although the uh, the national level will, uh, will catch the headlines. So certainly it's about advocacy. It's also about tracking where that money comes down once it flows um, down into those uh, uh, PSOs, provincial sport organizations. You mentioned the brand before and maybe some concerns about being associated with the brand. I, I think that we can point to some evidence of being involved with larger organizations comes with benefits. I think specifically about USA Blind Hockey right now being under the USA Hockey banner and also being adopted by many of the NHL teams as well, really pushing blind hockey south of the border to tremendous, tremendous growth. But... Now we're seeing the possibility of wearing that Hockey Canada brand coming with a bit of tarnishment. So where do you think the balance is there? Yeah, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, the difference in, in funding models. And certainly there is some, some reputational um uh, some reputational damage that is possible there. I mean, in the history, in the recent history of um, a sort of public relations in para hockey, I mean, we had the large outpouring of discussion around the Humboldt Broncos uh, tragedy and and the later connections to para hockey for for one of those athletes. Um, I, I think there is a risk of damage. I, I don't think that, you know, para hockey, when you think of Hockey Canada, isn't the first thing. What teams that are underneath these large umbrellas are at risk of is being buried in the fine print. Um, because you're not the big focus like you are where there's a separate organization that is primarily focused or only focused on your sport, um, that that means that you can, like I said, be left be left in the dust, so to speak. John, it would be a missed opportunity if we didn't at least talk about some of the allegations here or more broadly what can be done in sports to better protect players and other vulnerable people from bullying sexual misconduct etc you were involved in the parasport movement amongst your many titles para-athlete journalist artist what changes would you like to see in terms of institutions in terms of better protecting vulnerable people absolutely i mean i i think in some ways the call is coming within the house i mean it's easy to look at this from a from the from the large scale scandal that, that we're seeing in Hockey Canada right now, um, but Parasport has its own uh, and and disability community in general has its own issues with bullying, harassment, um, and, and discrimination. Uh, there's been research that is currently ongoing, I believe, at, at some universities around um, safe sport and what safe sport can mean in a Paralympic environment. I think we need to look really deeply at what that can be because it differs so vastly along the spectrum of Paralympic sport um, related to not only the physical uh, and mental needs of different athletes with different disabilities and different quote unquote levels of disability, um, but also how um, Paralympic athletes can be, uh, it's funny to use this word, but integrated into wider discussions of, of bullying and harassment. I think it would be very easy for us to look 
um, at, like I said, at these large scale um, uh, discussions that are happening, broadly speaking. Um, and it would be easy to say, oh, that doesn't affect parasport when realistically it, it absolutely does, especially when parasport is largely run uh, by non-disabled people. And it's not that non-disabled people can't have, you know, an opinion on on Parasport or be able to run tremendous organizations, but it does mean that more education needs to happen to deflect that deflect that possible pain. John, we appreciate the insights, and here's where I end up ticking off every journalist that I talk to because I force them into a little <laughs> bit of speculation. Do you think okay. Hockey Canada can repair their brand, or do you imagine we may have to consider a whole new organization? I've, I've wavered on this, John, for the sake of offering my opinion on this. I sure. thought that perhaps the World Juniors last summer, certainly the enthusiasm wasn't there, but it felt like by the end, okay, people have kind of forgotten about the Hockey Canada story. And then within weeks, it was right back into the fire for the organization. So I'm starting to lean towards the possibility of perhaps we need to consider a whole new organization nationally for hockey in, Can in Canada. But that's my feeling. Where do you land on this? Yeah. Um... I think you're always in a dangerous spot when when a sport with all of its with all of its foibles and all of the potential for abuse that come within a sporting environment, particularly at the youth or major junior level or whatever the sport wants to do, you know, you're always in danger when when that sport is so heavily tied into national identity. Um, the pessimist in me says that that Hockey Canada will, and maybe in some corners this is seen as optimism. I happen to label it as pessimism. Um, that I, I think Hockey Canada will will um, come out the other side of this. I don't think. I think with the discussions certainly um, about racism in, in hockey more generally in Canada, I don't think that creating an entirely new organization absolves the issues at hand. Um, mm. I think those are fairly uh, deeply rooted. Um, and, and I think we were talking earlier about the importance of grassroots and, and that the funding really exists at that grassroots level. That's where the impact is felt, even if the national teams grab the headlines. Um, and I think any reformed Hockey Canada, uh, reworked Hockey Canada, however we want to phrase it, is going to have to tackle these issues. Um, and it would be, you know, my hope as a as a passive observer now of Parasport that that uh, the um, the para teams are are leading that discussion uh, at least in part, um, particularly as as we saw with the recent piece with CBC when um, women's para hockey, para hockey in general being uh, a co-ed sport in in name only with three athletes. Uh, three female athletes being the number that only have ever suited up at the Paralympics. Um, the, the women's Canadian women's para hockey team um, uh, fighting for fighting for funding. There are plenty uh, of issues that para hockey uh, can can intersect with bullying certainly being uh, top or at the, almost at the top of the list. John, we are grateful for your insights on this topic. Thank you for bringing it to us today. Thank you for having me. That's John Lopke, a journalist based in Saskatoon. Coming up next, we learn how gamification can help students transition with learning, students with learning disabilities transition to post-secondary education. But first, getting verified on Twitter may soon come with a price. 
This will be explained to you in this edition of Tech Trends. Coveted blue check mark on Twitter may soon be available to everyone for a price. TechCrunch's Amanda Silberling says Twitter currently uses a blue check mark to verify prominent users' accounts. It's mostly just something to prove this is a legitimate source and or in the case of huge celebrities, this is the real one. But Musk says he's considering verifying any account that pays a monthly subscription fee, and Silberling says that raises misinformation concerns. The blue check won't mean... This is a public figure, this is a journalist, this is somebody who you know that there is some legitimacy to what they're saying. Then the blue check will just mean this is somebody who is giving Twitter $20 a month. The Verge first reported that the fee would be a monthly $20, but on Tuesday, Musk shed more light on the plan. He tweeted verification would come with an $8 monthly fee along with other features. With Tech Trends, I'm Alex Stone, EBC News. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Researchers at the University of Calgary are studying how gamification can help high school students with ADHD and other learning disabilities transition to post-secondary education. Let's welcome in a couple of the researchers to learn more, Dr. Meadow Schroeder and Dr. Richard Zhao. Dr. Schroeder, thank you for making time to be with us today. Thanks for having us. And Dr. Zhao, thank you as well for making time to be with us this morning. Thank you. Good to be here. So, Dr. Schroeder, I want to start with you on this one because I'm not quite sure what gamification means, and it's going to be really hard to have the rest of this conversation unless we get a bit of an idea of the definition of gamification. That's probably a better question for Richard, who is my collaborator on this project, and I brought him in on this project because of his expertise in gamification. All right. (laughs) Then then let's hand it over to Dr. Zhao. Sorry about that. It's okay. Um, I'll do it. So gamification really is this idea of uh, using games for the purpose of uh, training and education. So we are taking, uh, for example, some learning content or some training content, and we are gamifying it. So we're turning that into a game so that the the content becomes an an engaging story or an engaging gameplay element uh, in a sense that uh, our students or our players can then play this game and then be be beneficial in whatever content they're supposed to be learning. And, and Dr. Schroeder, coming over to you, why was this something that you wanted to research? Why did you want to explore how gamification could help students? When I was in clinical practice, I came across a lot of students who were going to be finishing high school, and they were getting reassessed for learning disabilities or ADHD in preparation for post-secondary. And when I was talking with them, I realized that lots of them weren't really that prepared for getting into post-secondary in that first year and what it was going to be looking like. So I really wanted to develop this module in order to be able to help them with that transition so they had the knowledge and the skills to be able to be successful in that first year. A lot of students with learning disabilities and ADHD actually don't complete, um, well, more often don't complete post-secondary than their typical peers. So this is a way in which we could try to get that uh, playing field a little bit, more, a little bit more even for them. 
And Dr. Zhao, I'm going to come back to you on this front. In terms of the style of game that you're designing here, what are some of the components that are key in building a gamification model that allows you to do this research? Sure. So this is a story-driven game in a sense that the, the player assumes the role of uh, the protagonist in our story. And the player, which is our student here, engages with uh, other virtual characters inside the story driven by artificial intelligence. They make choices in the story, and the choices will affect how the story plays out. So in some sense, the player chooses their own story. And our learning modules are built into the storyline so that when the students go through the story, they learn the intended content. The research is taking place at the University of Calgary, and I want to give both of you an opportunity to answer this question, but Dr. Meadows, uh, Dr. Schroeder, I'll start with you. What are the findings so far? What have you found in the research? So right now we're just in the pilot phase of this study. We've developed an initial module that is gamified that we're really hoping to expand so that we have full content. And then once we have that full content, we plan to do um, a study with post-secondary students or well, actually high school students to see how they do taking the module, getting their feedback, and then following them into post-secondary. And, and Dr. Zhao, what are some of your early impressions in the way that you're constructing this? What are some of the things that have stood out to you in the early, early phases of the research? So this is a promising line of research when we are looking at how we can use games for the purpose of uh, training and education. Uh, in the past, I've done research in this, uh, in this field where we've um, gamified a lot of content for, for example, engineering students or uh, psychology students or, or students in healthcare, and we've seen really promising results in how students are engaging with uh, the game and learning the intended content. So I think this is really a, a promising field, and uh, I'm sure that with our uh, gamified modules for uh, students with ADHD and learning disabilities, it's going to have um, a profound effect as well. Dr. Zhao, going a little bit further along those lines, is this research applicable in other areas? Where else do you see this kind of research uh, applying across the board? So gamification certainly is applicable to a lot of uh, different areas where we can teach or we can allow students to, to learn some new content. Um, so this goes all the way from high school uh, material to uh, at the university level when we are training engineers with, um, for example, manufacturing. And Dr. Schroeder, what are you hoping that people may take away from, again, we're in the preliminary uh, research at this point, but what are you hoping some of the bigger takeaways may be as the research moves along and may be applicable to other fields? Well, I think that this, if this works and we are able to really support students going to post-secondary, I mean, it's not just students with learning disabilities and ADHD to go to, that go to post-secondary. We have students that have various mental health challenges. We have students with autism. I think the list is quite large. So I think even the general student body might even benefit from this um, in, in, you know, who, who isn't, you know, uh, nervous about going to post-secondary and who might need some support. 
you know, our university already has really good supports for regular uh, students going in and it's general supports. I just think that this specific, being more specific for students with particular needs and learning needs in particular, this can benefit anybody who really has some um, maybe more unique challenges going into post-secondary other than just students with learning disabilities and ADHD. Mm -hmm. But this is just kind of the first step in this project, and we're really hoping that, you know, we can expand this to other areas once we kind of know that this is going to be an effective way of uh, supporting students in their transition. Well, it's a really, really neat idea. The research seems really fascinating. I want to thank you both for making time to be with us today as uh, to tell us about the research, and hopefully we can connect again down the line to learn more about the work you're doing and find out about some of the results, because I think this is going to have a lot of profound impact on a lot of people. So Dr. Zhao, Dr. Schroeder, thank you so much for your time today. Well, thanks for your interest. That's Dr. Richard Zhao and Dr. Meadow Schroeder, researchers and professors from the University of Calgary. Coming up after the break, I've got the inside scoop on what's coming up on Kelly and Company today. Then we'll bring in Nazreen and Mike to talk about some of these changes going on at Twitter. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Normally, we would chat with Ramya Emuthan right now, but you know where Ramya is? On her way to AMI HQ, because Kelly and Ramya are going to be right here in Studio 5 this afternoon, hosting Kelly and Company at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on AMI-audio. So when the show is done today, I've been tasked with finding all the disinfectants that we have in the office and spraying every inch of this room. So whatever I have doesn't go to them. I'm also going to steal this mic sock and hide it because they shouldn't go anywhere near it based on the hacking and sneezing and coughing I've been doing the last couple days in here. There's also an air purifier. Kelly Rumya, I'm looking out for you. I promise you will get no Dave stink in your lungs. I can't actually make that promise. Vaya con Dios. God be with you. Today on the show, Greg David is going to spotlight some special programming for Indigenous Veterans Day and Remembrance Day. And Ryan Chin, you know him from the AMI podcast, All About Your Money. He's going to offer some answers to questions and concerns regarding inflation. And Mary Mamaliti of the Kitchen Confession podcast will share some options on what to do with your post-Halloween pumpkins. I'm hoping that apple pie is one of the big, not apple pie, pumpkin pie. (laughs) If pumpkins were making apple pie, there would be reason for confusion there. But I'm hoping pie is one of Mary's big answers there. But Mary's always got good options. So we'll see what Mary has to say about reusing your Halloween pumpkins. The show starts at 2 p.m. Eastern time right here on AMI-audio. Not right here on AMI-audio. You're currently on AMI-tv. But over on AMI-audio, it will be right here in Studio 5, though. Let's bring in Nazreen and Mike to uh, talk about with the story that we uh, played in Tech Trends earlier today about one of the things that Elon Musk is proposing to do with Twitter is saying, hey, you want that blue checkmark for verification? Well, you've got to pay for that verification. So I want to talk about paying for verification on social media. First of all, Nazreen, hello, good morning. Good morning. Mike, we've already said hello, good morning to you, so no need for extra 
extra pleasantries. But I'm curious, first and foremost, I am not verified on any form of social media. No blue check marks for me. Nazreen, are you? No, no, not yet. Mike, you are actually like- legitimately famous. Are you verified? I have been, I was rejected uh, by Twitter for verification. Rejected? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, so okay. Mike, let's pose the question directly to you. If you were given the option of paying $20 to be verified for said blue check mark, would you do it? No. Um, my feelings on this, it's kind of like the clothes that you choose to wear. So I feel like when I wear an Under Armour t-shirt, I am advertising Under Armour. I'm walking around with an Under Armour billboard on my chest all day long. Now, I pay for that. But I'm also paying for the for for the product, the comfort of the product. It's a product I really like. I, I like the feel of it. I like the, the make of it. And so I buy it a lot. Same thing with the shoes that I buy. I buy the same brand of shoes and have for, for a couple of decades now because it's the right brand for me, the right fit for me. One of the side things that ends up happening, one of the side effects of it is that I end up being an advertiser for that brand. But when it comes to social media... Um, I'm, I'm a participant. I'm not here to, to, to be the brand. And I feel like if you are a verified individual, you are bringing people to the Twitter table for them. You are, you're the intermediary here. And so why would you be asking those people to pay to, to bring the public to them? I just I don't get it. And I've seen a lot of people already who are verified who say I'm not paying. So I'm I'm either they're going to get out of Twitter altogether or they'll just say, you know, take take the blue check. I'm not paying for it. Nazreen, coming back to you, as mentioned, you're not verified. Would you consider paying to be verified to maybe legitimize the DJ Nazi business, which is already very legitimate, by the way? I feel like, uh, hey, <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I wouldn't, to be honest. I um, I feel like it should be earned, and paying for it just doesn't give me that satisfaction of being on top and being legitimate, as you said. So, But how how is it earned, though, right? This is my question, right? Like, I've got a lot of people who said, you know, you've got a brand, and, and, and you know, people know who you are, so you should have that blue check mark. And and I'm not, these are people who work in marketing and communications, and when I was you know rejected or or turned down, there was no explanation as to why, and the 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 parameters by which people are verified aren't that clear either. Like they're they're, yeah. they're really it's quite vague. So so I don't know how you earn it. If the way to to get it is seemingly so willy nilly and not the same across the board, I honestly it makes no sense. I, even every platform is different, but you have to have a certain amount of followers and. But you don't. Uh, That's the yeah. thing. I've yeah, seen exactly. people with five, six, seven thousand fewer followers than I have, but they've got a blue check mark, and okay. and so that's why at the end of the day, I'm not willing to pay for that. Also, sponsorships, I feel like, help the situation. Um, so I, I believe, yeah, sponsorships do get played a big part in that. And a lot of people that um, do these sponsorships, and I think that's what 
presents them as a brand mm. um, and it expands their present, but presence, I mean, so it, I wouldn't pay for it at the end of the day. I just feel like I would want the blue check mark because I reached that, you know, yeah. I reached it, not because I paid for it. It's, it's mm. really interesting as a conception because as it stands now, the blue check mark does come with a certain degree of legitimacy. Even though we may find the process to be baffling or confusing, there's something about whatever the alg- whatever the algorithm is or whatever the validation is, there's something about that blue check mark now that does offer something that says this Dave Brown or this Mike Ross or this Nazreen Abdel Majid, this is not a robot, this is not a troll, this is a real individual sharing their thoughts. This is the Nazreen Abdel-Majid of Now with Dave Brown. This is the Dave Brown of Now with Dave Brown. This is the Mike Ross of Now with Dave Brown. Although, as mentioned, Mike is legitimately famous for doing other things. I was at a wedding recently and everybody wanted a piece of Mike. It was one of the most amazing things that I've ever seen in my life. Um, but, But suffice to say, there's something about it now that says this is legitimacy because even though we're baffled by the algorithm, it still says you are indeed verified. But as but soon as you, but it? as soon as you throw in the money conception to this, it says now anybody can be verified yes. for the price of twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. Yes. Doesn't that take away the actual legitimacy? Because all you yeah. need to do is Venmo some money to Twitter. Well, and makes and no Dave, point. You know, that's why you know when you pull up, for example, to um, th- there's a, I'm not going to name the the fast food restaurant, but you pull up to that fast food restaurant and there's a sticker on the window uh, that says one of Canada's top 50 employers. And this is a brand, this is a, 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 a marketing company brand that charges companies to be put on this list. And then they market the heck out of this list. And they put out all kinds of reasons why that restaurant is one of the best places to work in Canada. And, and they, they, they knock down like every single detail, salary, vacation, like, and they sell it like crazy. But they're the ones who are telling you that it's one of the top 50 places to work in Canada. And they do that by selling that spot on their list. Mm -hmm. I worked for a a media company that did the same thing. They got onto one of those lists. Why? Because they paid the fee and now they're verified, if you will, as a great employer. Well, I can tell you. They were an okay <laughs> employer, but they weren't great, and they sh- certainly shouldn't have been on one of those lists, but they were because they paid that fee. So so you're right. As soon as you pay to get on a list like that, I mean, to me, you the the the, the there's the validation of what you were doing disappears. Like it just literally goes up in smoke. Nazreen, it sounded like you had a thought there in regards to the notion of people paying for it and how that may affect the perception. And we'll give you last thought on this topic before we wrap up the show for the day. My last thought is that there's, it just makes no sense. There's no point to the check mark now. If you, if anybody can pay for it, then anybody can get that blue check mark. So what does that blue check mark stand for anymore? If right. I yeah, if I were if I were a little bit more of an intrepid journalist, not filled with cold medication, I would have done some research to find out exactly how many people have that blue check mark. Because let's mm-hmm. let's say it's let's say it's a hundred million people that have that blue check mark. Let's say even just ten million want to kick in that twenty bucks. That's two hundred million Elon's pocket. You know, you got to get that forty four billion back somehow. 
But yeah. don't forget, this could be just another one of the instances where Elon Musk says and tweets something and then reverts back, yeah, yeah. right? This could just be that, that, that weather balloon that he's putting out there. Let's see what people say. Let's yeah. see what the reaction is. And if there's pushback, he turns around and, and, and does a U-turn. And by the way, it's now a private company. It's his. He can do with it as he pleases. Nazreen, Mike, thank you both for this. We appreciate both your insights on the topic. Thanks, thank Dave. Thank you so much. That is all the time we have for the show today. Don't worry, we'll be back again tomorrow morning, although maybe some of you do worry that we're back at 9 a.m. Eastern time every day. Until then, I'm Dave Brown reminding you to play safe, play fair, but don't forget to have some fun. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.